Dive beneath the surface of infamous cyber attacks. Each episode, we invite an expert to reveal the contributing factors, hidden costs of cyber incidents, and ways your firm can protect itself from becoming the next cyber headline. I'm your co-host, Mark Sangster, strategist with AdLumen and author of No Safe Harbor, the inside truth about cybercrime and how to protect your business. And I'm your co-host, Tim Evans, co-founder and EVP at AdLumen. On this episode, we talk about learning from your adversary. Joining us to discuss APTs, the latest trends, and of course, those adversaries, is Kevin O'Connor, AdLumen's Threat Intelligence Team Director. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, Mark. I'm great to be here today. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Really well, Kevin. And, you know, you and I do a lot of work together with uh, webinars and looking at a bunch of the research that, you, of course, you and your team conduct. So why don't you spend a few minutes and tell our listeners about your role and, and what your team does at AdLumen? Yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. Um, so my role here at Adlumen is the Director of Threat Research. So I run our threat research group and one of the primary activities we do is threat hunting. So what we're proactively doing is looking at customer environments for signs of you know, network breaches, uh, whether it's via an APT group, a ransomware group, we're looking for things that haven't been detected by other portions of your security system yet. You know, whether it's your EDR, your MDR, looking to remedy that and work to sort of better the Adlumen products so that we can catch these threats in the future. And and what do you do with our customers and our and our and our partners specifically? So I know you're doing this research, obviously, that helps within the security operations center. But like, what happens when we do see something, you know, reasonably nefarious in their environment? We stop it. You know, how do you engage with them? Yeah. So unfortunately, right, even the most secure networks eventually could be breached, um, and you know, we find that to be true. So. What usually happens is if threat research group, you know, finds something suspicious, potentially nefarious, is we'll reach out to the affected organization. We'll let them know what we've seen historically, especially in their network, you know, is this normal? And, you know, when did this sort of potential malicious activity start? And then also, you know, some potential steps to remediate this and prevent it from happening in the future again. Not only how to get the malware off, but, you know, how did the malware initially get inside the network? And then how do we cut off that access path in the future? Because, you know, if you just remediate the, you know, the affected box, they're always just going to come back on it the next day the same way. And Kevin, uh, if you could tell us just a little bit about your background in threat hunting, you know, we hear a lot about threat hunters, but uh, you have kind of a unique background in threat hunting. Yeah, thanks. Um, So I actually started out in the uh, computer industry sort of on the defensive side. So I actually worked with the National Security Agency. I was one of those guys they got during college. So I actually got to work a lot on their uh, information assurance department. I was able to develop the like, you know, the tablet that Obama got to use for his top secret briefings and stuff. But then eventually I sort of found my true passion over in their CNE groups. That's the computer network exploitation group, um, you know, that actually does sort of the, the hacking for the United States government to collect that foreign intelligence, you know, sort of like other countries do. So, you know, there I was able to work with a great group of people sort of, you know, working on the nation's foreign intelligence mission. And it was fantastic. And it gave me some really good insights into how these APT actors really work. And I think you and I have that offensive nature in mind. <laughs> so, so Kevin, you and your team are about to publish a new threat report. So what were some of the top uh, trends that you identified? Yeah, so we're excited to put out our uh, Q1 2023 threat report. We call it our analysis and trends report. And really what was the really big headline for this past quarter, you know, counting uh, January, February, March, was ransomware. So, you know, ransomware is not new. It's something that we've been seeing for the past couple of years, but we've really seen an uptick this past three months. And, you know, it's pretty significant. We've seen a shift a bit in the groups that have sort of been popular in the ransomware space. 
And, you know, we also talked a little bit about some of the, the Russia updates. You know, it's been about a year since the Ukraine war started. So, you know, we wanted to sort of take a look at what have we seen in the cyberspace from Russia so far? Is it what was expected? And, you know, what else could, uh, you know, Ukraine, NATO forces, Western countries expect from them in the future? Is that one of the groups that uh, I know there was one of the ransomware groups in the report that you talked about that had a zero day that was able to infiltrate what was it something like 150 or 160 victims in, in a 24 hour period, something like that? Yeah, for sure. So I think we're talking about the CLOP group here. So this is one of those ransomware groups that sort of started back in 2019. They've really adopted and uh, taken hold of this new double extortion method, which is, you know, it's not so new, but it's definitely something we're seeing some of the bigger ransomware operators move towards. And um, double extortion is, you know, when not only are they encrypting your data or destroying it, you know, through this ransomware, they're also stealing a portion of it, right? And then what they do is they also hold access to that data for ransom to sort of get more leverage on you and make sure you pay. And their threat is, you know, hey, if you don't pay us, even if you can recover your, you know, your data from backups and, you know, get us out of your network otherwise, we still have your data and we're going to publish it or we're going to sell it so that somebody else can come and access you later using the stolen credentials, you know? We're going to cause you reputational harm. People are going to get your customer info, things like that. So CLOP was one of those groups that's really taken hold of that. They had this exploit they had developed. It was a zero day for a Go Anywhere MFT. So it's like a managed file transfer program. And using this, this zero day, they were able to whack about, um, you know, 100 plus organizations sort of like overnight mostly Western targets. And we can tell this sort of by looking at their victim leak sites. So, you know, part of this double extortion involves posting this data online on the dark net, uh, clear net, wherever, you know, using these sites, we can sort of track who are the victims and, you know, who's being targeted by the different groups. And how are most of those victims being snagged? Is it, is it through phishing? Is that part of their program or their exploit? So in, in the case of CLOP, they were using, um, you know, a zero-day exploit. But traditionally, what we do see from ransomware actors, so CLOP actually displaced what was the number one ransomware actor for a long time, which was Lockbit. And we'll see it's really common in those top actors to use that spear phishing and phishing methods to gain that initial access. Also, uh, credential compromise. So, you know, when somebody's reusing a password across services or, you know, they get their business password stolen through some of these, you know, fake credential sites, things like that. The actors can then later use that to, you know, sort of like they did with the Colonial Pipeline, right? Use that to access a VPN and get access to your network and then sort of go from there. Yeah, they're running it like a business operation without question, right? For sure. And it's crazy because, you know, I mean, there's some real profit to be made for these companies. You'll see that ransoms have, you know, kind of gotten out of control here. We're talking about, you know, more than a million dollars for some of these things. So, you know, there's, there's profit to be made. And you'll also see that the way um, a lot of these top ransomware actor groups work is they're not actually installing the malware themselves and using it, sort of acting like a channels partner and, you know, leasing out the malware and renting it out to other actors that'll do it. So we call that some of that affiliate model. And that's been really successful for them. And we've actually seen ransomware affiliates get a higher portion of the payout from some of these ransom situations. So, you know, the benefit for all these groups is really just increasing. And are they going after just the big players, the big fish? No, you know, I, I think really the sweet spot for most ransomware is that mid-sized business. They don't necessarily have the organizational defenses to stop every threat that's coming at them. They don't necessarily have the biggest robust, you know, backup solutions. And really the problem is they don't have visibility into their network insights. You know, they don't have a hundred different cybersecurity tools deployed to gain insight into all the portions of their network to sort of prevent these threats. Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it, right? It's, it's kind of like where the two curves of, you know, uh, the one curve, of course, is the assets worth stealing. 
and where the curve of cybersecurity sophistication cross, right, is kind of that sweet spot because once they get bigger, like you say, right, it's it's a heck of a lot harder to um, remain undetected, but and then also make it worthwhile. And Lockbit, of course, is also an interesting one because that's one of the some of their marketing material is is something that I use in a lot of talks where you know I show them kind of like, look, here's the brochure, right? Here's their, you know. They're soliciting for this affiliate program. You know, it looks just like a like any security vendor would produce, you know, the why they're different, how they're better, the speeds and feeds and the com competitive comparisons really just is an eye opener for those companies to say, you know, look, they operate just like we do. Right. They're the fortune, you know, they, they use Fortune 500 kind of tactics. Right. Or the misfortune 500, as I like to call them. But what about what about some. What about some of the other groups we've seen? I know you've, you 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 also talk about Medusa and Black Bast and, and a few others as well. Yeah, so we talked about Cloud, we talked about Lockbit. Um, Lockbit, you know, I don't want to play that downplay sort of you know their their impact in the market. They did get sort of I think it was a hundred victims we labeled for them in March. Um, you know, it was around twenty three victims per week for the first quarter, so it was still significant. But yeah, we've seen some of these other groups like Black Cat. They're also kind of known as Alpha Five. I call them. You know, it reminds me of sort of the Power Rangers. It's spelled A L F and then V. So pronounce it how you want. But, uh, you know, this is another ransomware as a service provider, right? So Black Cat themselves isn't necessarily doing all of the ransomware attacks using the Black Cat toolkit. They're selling it out to other, you know, other actors to use for them. You know, they're using the double extortion method still. This is the same group that was sort of linked to the older actor, Darkside and Black Matter, if you're familiar with them. We think this is sort of an evolution of that group as well. So you'll see they have a long storied history there. We had analyzed maybe about a $50 million worth of ransom in the past quarter they had received. So that's incredibly significant, right? That's, some, that's some, some significant money that's keeping their operation running. And what was really interesting was that uh, Black Cat is one of the first groups that we had actually seen uh, use Rust, um, the programming language for their malware. So Rust is a newer programming language. It's compiled sort of like C++ or Go, but you know, it's newer. So a lot of these automated threat detecting techniques and stuff and you know automated malware analysis sandboxes don't have the tooling capability, you know, to peer inside these Rust files. So um, I think that's where Black Cat was able to make some headway is really getting around some of the existing security infrastructure by using sort of a new language. And there's lots of new uh, malware, but I want to take you back a few years uh, to when you and I were both at NSA. APT28, is that still around? That was 2006. Yes, APT28. So APT28 is one of those ones that's been out around forever, and, you know, they probably will be around forever. They're also known as Sophacy. Um, also, Fancy Bear is another really big one for them. I think it was this past quarter they were really known for uh, taking advantage of that Outlook zero-day vulnerability that came out. So I'm not sure if you remember. It was like CVE 2023-23397, I think. And it was a you know a zero day vulnerability in Outlook that allowed initial access, um, and they used this to great success. You know to get access into a bunch of different networks. APT twenty eight. You know I, I honestly would have thought I would expect more activity against Western nations during this situation in Ukraine, but it does seem like a lot of it has been Ukrainian and uh, European targeting. So they really are staying focused on that. Um, you know they've used the Felina vulnerability. The other thing is sort of, uh, if you remember, a lot of ways that spear phishing emails work and, and phishing emails work are through macros, right? So a lot of times you'll get these office macros like Word documents and stuff, and the macros will contain, you know, Visual Basic, Virus, VB Script, whatever. But what Microsoft has actually done now is by default, macros are disabled. So APT28 to get around this, what they're actually doing is instead of using like macros embedded, they're actually using PowerPoint files. And this PowerPoint file exploit requires you to actually like use your mouse movement 
which then surreptitiously triggers the exploit on your computer. So it actually does still require some user input, but the user doesn't know they're doing anything. They're just browsing a PowerPoint file and then it exploits their box. So we're seeing that from APT28. And, um, you know, what's really funny with them was just last week, Tim, one of the heads of APT28, suspected heads, right? So APT28 is believed to be the Russian uh, GRU. So we'll say like the FSB successor, right? I remember reading that in Wired Magazine. Yep. And um, what happened was uh, a pro-Ukrainian hacktivist group, we'll say, hacked the supposed leader of this APT28 group. And they hacked him real good. And they, uh, you know, they got his credit card credentials and stuff like that. And they ordered him a bunch of stuff online. Um, I heard they even ordered him like an FBI, uh, you know, logoed hat just to put the scare into him. So, you know, I don't think uh, they're going to be picking him up anytime soon for prosecution or anything. He's probably going to stay inside Russia. But it, it's interesting to see that, you know, there are these the hacktivist groups on the Ukraine side, really, right? They're pushing back, they're fighting back. So it's really cool to see that sort of activity. That's brilliant. I love that. So what about some of the other, you know, I know we've seen some other activities, not just the the large APTs and ransomware groups, but, you know, some of the other activity we've seen with Windows vulnerabilities, for example, Mac OS, Linux, you know, none of them should be left out, of course, because they all have their issues. Yeah, right. We, everybody likes to focus on Windows, you know, myself included. And that's really just because that's where a lot of the business space is, you know, and that's where a lot of the vulnerability is then. So we talked a little bit about those malicious macros and those being disabled by default. And then, uh, you know, APT28 using PowerPoints to overcome that. Well, one method that a lot of other actors are switching to are OneNote documents. So I don't know if you're familiar with OneNote, but it's another one of those Microsoft Office suite applications allows you to take notes and stuff. But OneNote actually supports the insertion of a lot of different types of data into it. So you can do things like, you know, link Excel documents into it, all those fun things. So what they're actually doing now is using OneNote documents, uh, you know, to sort of get these phishing emails to gain exploit execution on these endpoint machines that they're targeting. So that's a pretty good one. So how, do, how does the small and medium customer, what do they possibly do to combat this? Because as you said, every system's vulnerable. So what kinds of tools do they need to have? I mean, do they need to have the NSA tools? No, I mean, you can get by with definitely not the NSA tools. Um, you know, you can get by with what's out there in the commercial space now, you know, even the government's focusing on these commercial solutions for classified programs, right? Showing sort of the strength of these commercial defense technologies and security technologies. I think that especially when we talk about these macros and, you know, PowerPoint files and OneNote documents, the, the area you really need to focus on is user training and sort of prevention of malware. You know, you have to stop the users from clicking on the links, from downloading the, the malicious attachments and things like that, right? So I'm always a fan of like proactive phishing campaigns, you know, teach users that these things are out there, hold them accountable, make sure you have remediation training in place if a user fails a phishing test. You know, you really have to make sure that they know that this is, you know, how people are getting access to boxes and how they need to do their part in defending the company network. I mean, do you need to be able to see things like lateral movement on your network? I mean, what, what's the real key? Is what, what are you monitoring? What's the key? Yeah, so, so that's the trick. If I, if I had that answer, I guess it'd be a millionaire. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think the real key is just having insight across your sort of platform and your devices, right? So it's not enough just to have an EDR looking at your endpoints, telling you sort of the traditional antivirus statistics, right? Like, hey, you know, this bad process executed. You need to really have that sort of end-to-end -end insight that lets you say like, hey, you know, using Office 365 logs, we were able to see, um, you know, a user, a specific user receive an email with an attachment. Then using the, you know, the EDR logs or, you know, other process execution logs on the Windows endpoint, you can see, okay, well, I saw this user open the email, 
opened a PDF attachment, which then opened Chrome, which then opened WScript, which then opened PowerShell, and then you know exploited Bob's uncle. So you know you need to be able to see sort of across those data sources to see that chain taking place. And then you can even take it a step further, right? So let's say you are compromised, you know, then we can take it to sort of that network level. Let's look at the VPN traffic that you have, you know, and see if we can see that same, you know, binary that we saw executing on the process side, reaching out over the VPN, you know, exfilling data to a command and control endpoint. So you really need to see that end to end, otherwise you're gonna miss it, you know, because you may miss any one part, you know, you may miss that exploit chain that happens on the Windows machine because it's, you know, a novel zero day that just nobody can detect. So that's why you need the portion before it that shows you the compromise through email or the portion after that shows, you know, exfil of data. So you need to be ingesting all those data sources and then looking at it all with some some sort of analytics. Yeah. And, you know, coming from the NSA, you know, I think we both feel that, right? The more data you have, the better it's going to be. Never know when something's going to be relevant. A lot of times we'll find threats or information will get posted about threats that actually happened three months ago, you know? CISA from DHS will come out and say, you know, here's an alert, here's six IP addresses that are associated with APT28. Well, you have to be able to go back in your data, you know, six months to see when they detected this activity, was it active in your network? You know, it's not going to be active today. They've already moved their infrastructure over. They've already changed their tactics and techniques. You need to be able to, you know, sort of peer back to see that stuff. So that's an interesting insight there, right? That it's like any one specific sort of point piece of security won't actually solve the problem. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about the kind of the, the Z axis, right? You know, your your north south is uh, watching your perimeter and what's going in and out. And your east west, of course, is all those endpoints. But you need that third dimension to actually look at, you know, correlate all of it and look at permissions and understand what looks like normal and then what spikes above that, right? When we see those anomalies and then being able to dive in, like you just described, right? And, and evaluate specific logs, et cetera, to determine what's actually happening in your environment. So Kevin, any final words here as we sort of push up against the time mark here, just for our listeners? I know you've given us a lot of good information about these various groups and some of the things we can do, but you know, what's that, uh, the last soundbite you want to leave them with? Vulnerabilities are trending up. You know, in the past quarter, we saw, you know, more CVEs came out than the quarter before it. And more importantly, the average growth for those KEVs, the known exploited vulnerabilities, those are the really serious CEVs that are tracked, you know, they're actually being used by groups, you know, those are keeping steady or actually increasing as well. So, you know, the threat space is there. I think for this quarter, ransomware is really an issue. It's going to continue to be an issue, especially in the education and finance sectors. They're getting slammed right now by the ransomware groups, especially education. And, you know, finance just has a lot to lose because of some of the compliance requirements there. So um, really make sure that you have, you know, some proactive phishing campaign stuff in place to make sure that, you know, the users know not to click these links. Make sure that you're looking at your uh, mail logs, right? Make sure you're ingesting whether you're using some sort of mail proxy or using O365 or on-prem exchange. Make sure you have insight into these things because that's really where the attack surface is. Well, you know, I think we've learned today that uh, it's more than just the endpoint. It, it has to be, and you have to be running analytics against all the traffic, not just endpoint traffic. It's not enough. And you need to be able to see that history for more than a couple of 30 days. So very good insights, Kevin. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great to be here. You've been listening to Cybertide with Mark Sangster and Tim Evans, and today's guest, Robert Johnson, co-founder of AdLumen. Join us for future episodes in which we invite more experts to reveal the contributing factors and costs of cyber incidents and how your firm can protect itself from business-disrupting attacks. For more information about AdLumen or for a demo, visit adlumen.com. 
To order an audio, digital, or print copy of my book, No Safe Harbor, The Inside Truth About Cybercrime and How to Protect Your Business, visit mbsangster.com or amazon.com.